if you don't have a, a repeatable process for getting customers, even if it's word of mouth, there's ways that you can amplify your referrals or you have a, a, a documented procedure for how you do the thing you do. And, and at a minimum, a checklist for when something's done, what I call the definition of done, of being able to checklist, you know, and, and it doesn't matter if it's like a service business or a software, um, then I think you're just, you're depending too much on people's uh, inherent, um, uh, intelligence and or uh, skill level and that's just a dangerous place to be in business. Can this business thrive without the owner? You've got to start putting systems and processes in place. If you don't use the systems, the business will break. We're always looking to buy back our time. You cannot say something once and expect that it actually is received. This is the way we work. A big motivation in that for me is creating a job for myself that I really enjoy. This is how you discover your vision. And this is Process Makes Perfect. What's up, everyone? I'm Chris Ronzio, founder of Trainual, and this is Process Makes Perfect. We're talking with experts in process creation, automation, delegation, just people that know how to make business easier. And today we have Dan Martell. If you get a chance, you've got to go to Dan's website, scroll through his about section, his bio. It reads like a story. You don't want to stop scrolling, but just a few highlights. He started businesses at 17, at 19, at 24. He raised venture capital for his next two companies, Flowtown and Clarity, which I've been a customer of. Then he successfully exited three of those businesses. He's been an advisor for massive success stories like Intercom, Udemy, and Hootsuite. He's personally invested in over 40 companies, and he runs the biggest YouTube channel in the world for SaaS entrepreneurs. Dan, welcome, my man. What's up? Chris, I am so freaking excited to be here, man. I appreciate that intro. You got my energy going. Uh, um, anything I can do to serve, I'm more than happy to do that. Amazing. All right. So funny story for everyone watching. Uh, in the time between me booking Dan for this show and him being <laughs> on the show, I actually joined personally invested in his group, SAS Academy. So he's been coaching me and I'm excited for him to share all these lessons with you guys that I've been learning behind the scenes. So I'm excited for you to be here. All right. Chris, so. it's an honor, man. And, and I find it's just uh, just shows to everybody listening. You're a man of action. You're a guy that gets shit done. I apologize if you can't swear, but uh, <laughs> I just want to honor you uh, for doing that. And it's super exciting to be here. Absolutely. You can't teach without learning, right? So mm -hmm. you have a framework called the business playbook. And actually, that's how I found out about you as I was going through something on LinkedIn. People were talking about standard operating procedures. I always try to jump into those conversations. And someone said, talk to Dan Martell. He's the man. He's the master. So I ended up on your, your site and I see that you've got this framework business playbook. So where'd that come from? How'd you come up with that? Yeah. So, I mean, what's funny is my background's in software and, and, and architecture. And what happened was, is um, as I built my early companies, 17 years old, 19, finally, when I was 24, I, I, I've kind of figured it out. I read a business book. And um, the first kind of book that really inspired me is the E-Myth, which is probably everybody's kind of first foray into systems. And I just decided that's how I wanted to build my business. I wanted to build a franchise prototype. I even hired an E-Myth coach, man of action, just like you. So like before I even had the business going. I hired this guy named Bob out of Toronto. I uh, paid him 1500 bucks a month back in the day. This would have been uh, 15 years ago. And uh, he taught me what the E-Myth taught. And I took that and I kind of 
brought it into my own world. So we use wikis back then. So this is like back in the day of Atlassian and Confluence. And um, so we were using wikis, Google Sites was around, but I, I essentially fell in love with the idea of taking the same things I learned around writing software, which is a system and a functions approach to you know outcomes and doing the same thing for building business systems. And I've always thought that the right word for it for me was playbook, because it's not like SOPs never really resonated. And, um, and then I've just gotten good over the years to kind of remove all the things that I don't feel serve that, that makes it so that they're impactful and they're useful and uh, easy to put together. I like the term playbook too, because it feels team oriented. It feels like you're playing a game, like everyone can get involved and everyone can run some of the plays. So it's, it's definitely more accessible. So I know a lot of companies, they, they feel like they need something like this and they want to start writing something down, but it feels like maybe it's just a waste of time or they don't have time for it. So when, when do you think is the right time for someone to start making a playbook? As soon as you do anything that's going to be done repeatedly, I think you need to document it. Now, I, for example, marketing, I've always built out um, the playbook as I was doing it, even if I might do it for six months or 12 months before I hired somebody to backfill that role, just because as you're doing it is when, A, you should be following your own process, and B, you're going to be able to add the nuances and the tweaks to the, the procedures and the checklist. Um, but what I what I recommend to keep it simple is a few things. One, we create a program doc for each core function of your business, meaning that, you know, you have a way to get customers, you have a way to serve customers, you have a way to manage the business. Those are kind of the high level, um, you know, programs you could create. So I have a marketing program, a sales program, a delivery program, a customer success program. And those are just for us, Google Docs that have two parts to it. I think that there's the the workflow, which is just the checklist of things and different different phases of that activity. And then second is the schedule. What's the cadence for things that need to be checked on a daily, a weekly, a monthly, a quarterly basis. And, and you put that all in the same document and it's just super simple to maintain. But to do that, we have a rule. So our rule is that you can't have, you can't be working on a process that ha exists without having it open. So we actually use the version history to check often if people in those functions are actually using their documents because they should be updating it at least once a week. Um, nothing, you know, I mean, it could be as simple as a, tweaking a label or fixing a typo or adding an extra step to a, a checklist. But um, that's the lightest d implementation, I think, when it comes to, especially for entrepreneurs that want to build some systems and procedures in their business, just create one for each core function of the business and put it in one document. So do you think it's pretty universal that every business has those core departments or those core functions and that's really where they should start? A hundred percent. I mean, if you don't have a, a repeatable process for getting customers, even if it's word of mouth, there's ways that you can amplify your referrals or you have a, a, a documented procedure for how you do the thing you do. And and at a minimum, a checklist for when something's done, what I call the definition of done, of being able to checklist, you know, and, and it doesn't matter if it's like a service business or a software um, then I think you're just you're depending too much on people's uh, inherent um uh, intelligence and or uh, skill level and that's just a dangerous place to be in business yeah definitely okay so as you get the process started and you're starting to frame out the departments who really has to own this who has to champion the effort 
So I think whoever's doing it the first time champions it. And for the most time, most part, it's the entrepreneur, it's the CEO, right? Like we're, we're always, the way I think about it is um, we're always looking to buy back our time. And the way we do that is we hire people to take over those roles. But when you hire them, you want them to be given some kind of instructions or manuals. And what I love about our, the program concept is if you do it right, you're even, I even do this thing called the camcorder method where I record my screen when I'm doing certain things so that I have like a training backlog. So I might tr record three or four times that I do something and I add it to that section in the program as a link to a Dropbox video. I mean, you can use whatever tools. QuickTimes lets you screen record. Um, and that way, when you hire somebody, the training and onboarding for them is reading the whole thing and following the links and reading all the training documents, et cetera. And then at the end, you can have a quick test or outside that document because you don't want them to know the answers that just verifies that they actually have read the procedure. And I think that's just the fastest way for, for somebody to self-learn, get ramped up, be productive day one. Yeah, it's funny. So we have this hashtag, explain it once. Because if you're going to sit with someone and explain it or you're going to do it on the screen, you might as well fire up a recorder and just record yourself doing it because then you've got an asset that you can use over and over again. Sounds like that's what you that's do. What I'm, I'm a big fan of like Skype recordings or Zoom. We use Zoom a lot in our team and we record everything just because if there's a 20 minute conversation where somebody asks a question and you explain it, it's like, hey, can you clip that and add it to the program doc or to the systems doc so that that way there's, you know, even if it's it gets stale over time, that's why I'm not a big fan of documenting to the nth degree, the button clicks and the form labels and all that because it, it, the, the document gets stale really quick. Uh, I'm more of like, you know, this procedure, this procedure, this procedure. And then here's the checks. Did you check the links in the email? Did you send it to somebody else for copy? You know what I mean? Just like when you get caught and you break something, go at it to the checklist for completion. Yeah. Great point. Don't overcomplicate it because then it'll get stale. So there's yep. this c competing back and forth methodology or philosophy, I guess, on some people want to have everything super dialed in so that they can hand it off to someone and know that they're just going to do it. And other people want to hire someone that's the expert and say, oh, they'll figure it out. I have no idea what I'm doing. So where do you fall on that spectrum in terms of documentation? Is it the person's job that you're hiring to do the documentation or do you have to figure it out in advance? I think it's both. I'm a big fan of, of if you have, again, most entrepreneurs are going to do things the first time themselves if they've got a business before they can even afford to hire something, unless they raise venture capital and, and go down that route. But what I've learned is that businesses have a heartbeat, a rhythm, a way they like to do things. And it's not that the expert doesn't know how to get an outcome. It's just their approach is different. And there's nuances into why your marketing program has like this structure that they may not know. So they might be able to do Facebook ads, but you might have a nuance to it. And I'm just I'm, I find I've always ended up in a better uh, place if I hired somebody that had less experience but followed my procedure that I documented then hired somebody with experience and asked them to create it because a lot of them don't understand. I mean, creating systems is actually a skill, right, that I teach my team because I don't think it's natural to break things down. Like I, I feel super lucky that a lot of that came from designing database architectures and system architectures, like decomposing complex problems into modules and components. Um, and it turns out to be a great skill for building business systems. Yeah, every time I've sat down to document something, I'm amazed at how how long I get so deep into it. You know, you think you don't know a lot about something until you start writing about it. And then it's just detail after detail. So it's amazing how much lives up here. Uh, For sure. So, so 
once you get started, once you're documenting something, you know, a lot of people will, they'll make a manual, they'll make a document, they'll make something, and then it just collects dust. It sits on the shelf. So how do you start to build a culture around process? How do you make it something that's consistently updated? I think there's a few things is one, we have a rule uh, called linkability. So like everything we, we work on has to have a direct link. So that means we don't use project management software or anything else that doesn't have that. And because of that, uh, we, in our communication guidelines, which is a system, um, if you mention a link, you have to provide the link, right? Cause there's a good chance you had the thing open anyway, you may as well add it to the email. So one of the things is we always are linking to procedures because if we mention it, like, Hey, go follow this and, and get this output or work with this person to implement this thing. Uh, second is as a team, every Monday in our weekly sync, we, we update if there's new systems or procedures created, uh, the person has to, to kind of communicate it to the team that it exists. And then um, anytime, you know, we, we have the rule as a culture that you don't work on a system that exists and not have the document open. Uh, and if you see something wrong, everybody has the, you know, the ability and, and um, responsibility to update it, regardless if it's you created it or not. They're not locked in stone. Anybody can collaborate. You know, it's cool that, you know, there's the tools today um, that allows you to maintain version history so that you can revert if somebody changes or delete something by accident. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a cultural thing. And, and if you if you make it a game and you reward the behavior, I think people want to do it. You know, if I always tell people, it's like I need you to build out this system so that, you know, we we pass the hit by the bus test that you can get promoted, that we can hire somebody to, to replace you. And it's super painless. Right. That uh, um, if something happens where you have somebody you care about that gets sick and you need to take time off, we want to support you in that. But we obviously need to deliver the the value to our customer. So, you know, I think it's just important to make it part of the culture. So I, w I want to dig into the weekly sync a little bit. Is this something that you include as a every week agenda item where you're talking about process and policy updates and how do you reward the behavior of actually keeping things updated? Yeah, so uh, the weekly sync has a lot of different aspects to it. I mean, we start with wins, we talk about customer headlines, but we, we in there there's this, there's an announcements um, section where people can announce things. You know, we got new like maybe not customer headlines will cover that, but like you know new changes, infrastructure tweaks, uh, process improvements, and I just think that like people, you know, they they reward what they they manage what they you reward or you measure, and by um, having people like share some of those updated systems and then me as the leader saying, hey, that's amazing. Thank you so much for creating that. Or, you know, Kelsey, congrats on like creating that new section of our customer success process or whatever it is, um, or like event registration flows, automating that. Like, I just think it's important as a leader that you recognize it, identify it and um, and let everybody know. You know, I think it's always best to uh, shine the spotlight on the right behavior than criticize the wrong behavior, right? And um, so that's what I'm always doing. I'm always trying to say like, this is these are good things to build up the growth engine, the infrastructure. Let's let's recognize it and and reward them for that. Totally. Yeah, we we try to tie our meetings back to our core values. And so one of the values in the company is to initiate and embrace change. And so for us, the process improvements are tied to that core value. And so anytime we've got a good example of those, we're laying that out. And I think sometimes companies, if they don't have a value or a culture that supports process improvement, you know, they can talk about, yeah, we want to be process, uh, you know, efficient. But if, if people don't truly believe it, it's hard to keep that up. 
Yeah, and what I've seen is, is the biggest pain is when people are like, all right, we're going to build an SOP, you know, and then they do like an offsite for three days and like try to document everything. And that, that, that to me never works. I think it has to be integrated in the culture, into the communication flow. It's got to be a living document. You know, you've got to teach people the tools to capture and update, you know, like I think like audio capture, video capture, even like uh, a friend of mine, um, he has like site guys, uh, field field service techs. And I showed him how like you can use this upload cam app to videotape and upload to Dropbox, you know, in the background. And then that way that gets connected to a job and that gets shared with the customer. And it's just, I think when you start looking at automation and training and, um, um, you know, kind of culture from that point of view, that's how, when it really works. You can't, just cause you have it doesn't mean it's done. You actually need to, to kind of use it. Right. Okay. So in your framework, you talk about there's three sections that you have to document procedures, references, templates. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So to me, procedures are things that you follow to get something done. Um, references are data, right? So like most of us have like some kind of spreadsheets or customer list or, you know, um, lead magnets, audits, like pretty much anything that looks like a spreadsheet that, that has like referenceable material that goes in the, the reference uh, tab in a spreadsheet. Should we keep it simple? And then the templates are kind of the repeatable um, templates for like, you know, email templates to posting on social media to, um, you know, creating a events calendar, whatever it is, like it's, it's in that way, it's just easy people to find. Um, and then, you know, like, so, so if you scale the business and you have like hundreds of employees, you might need to break it down and have every department have their own playbooks. Uh, but for the most part, you know, again, most people listening to this are probably doing less than a million in revenue for those folks. We, you, you can just keep it all in one spreadsheet. Okay. Or move up to a tool like Trainual as you scale, because honestly it does break down from a securities and permissions point of view. So as people are creating these things, how, how long should they be? You know, when, so, when you tell someone create a playbook, are they making like the Encyclopedia of Britannica or is it, is it just like a, a handy laminated guide? You know, where, where is it in terms of length? I actually don't set a limit on length um, just because the tools are so easy to find. But I'm a big fan of clear table of contents. Um, so if you think at a high level, I think there's kind of an overview of what the goal is for that thing. Uh, and then there's like the the pre-work, the doing, the post-work. Um, that's maybe on the checklist side, the steps. And then underneath, like I mentioned, there's there's the schedule itself of what should be done on a weekly basis. And that might reference, you know, back up to something else. Um, so I think if, as long as you nail the table of contents and it's clear, then it can be as long as it needs to be, especially if you start adding, you know, some some other you know examples and trainings and templates in that document. And you can um, then it could get long. But honestly, it's I care more of is it clear than the length of it. Like, is it clear? Are you clearly communicating what's involved and how people should use it? Right. Okay. So as you're creating your playbook, writing out these things, do you ever revisit the old stuff or, or throw away things that aren't used anymore? You know, how often should people flush through these things? 
I mean, to me, it's you do it in real time. So, so pretty much every, you know, I might have the core five systems that I'm working in for this quarter based on some of the big rocks that are on my, on my, uh, my projects. Um, and those documents for the most part are being updated in real time because every time I do something and it could be like send an email or add something to my calendar and set up as a reoccurring task, I'll then want to make sure that the system reflects that activity. So to me, again, they're living documents. If I notice there's a section in there that's like out of date where it mentions is, you know, like we used to use Skype. Now we use zoom, you know, and I see it, I'll just like update it and tweak it or I'll like select it and tag somebody in the team and be like, Hey, this is outdated. You might want to update it if it's not my document. Cool. Okay. Or if I don't know how to answer it. Yeah. Okay. So the last uh, step number five in your framework in the business playbook framework was to use it for onboarding and training. So obviously this is close to my heart, but how do you see the, uh, the, the playbook, the documentation, um, you know, segueing into the training and the onboarding? How does it get used day to day? Yeah, I think one, one question I ask my team when they're building out their programs is like, if you had nothing other than a list of things you would want to cross train somebody else on to do your role, that would be the like the beginning, right? Like that'd be a great place to do it. So I think as long so so in regards to onboarding, we want to make sure that for whatever role you're hiring for, there's at least a first level list of like, I want you to manage this, manage this, manage this, manage this, manage this. And even if there's nothing in those sections yet, at least you have a checklist of like, oh, we already talked about that. You feel comfortable. Boom. So it's just like even giving people guidance in case, you know, because many times we'll hire somebody and maybe a week later we find out we hired the wrong person and we got to go through that process again. So you might as well at least create the outcome. In regards to training, what I do is um, I like to record uh, everything. So it, it could be from, you know, publishing something to a meeting with somebody to an interaction with a customer, you know, obviously with permission. And then those all get added to the, so every every document or every major section would have a training uh, subcategory. And I would just link those specific recordings to the training. They're not professional, they're not polished, they're literally screen recordings and or um, just audio recordings. I mean, uh, it's it, I call it ghetto, but useful. Like it works, it gets people context. And at the end of the day, we're still gonna have a conversation about it to make sure they truly understand it. But it allows me to avoid having to, like you said, explain it twice, right? I wanna explain it once, capture it, let somebody else consume it, and then they can ask me questions around the area that, that might not be clear. Yeah, I love that. And so one of the things I've loved about being in your group is all the content that you've done, the webinars, the presentations, those all get logged into a system that members can search. And it's not that we're necessarily following a training track, but when we need something, we know where to find it. And I think training 100%. inside your business is the, the same thing. You know, there's certain things you want everybody to know and you want to check off. Did they get this? Did they get this? Do they know this? But then everything else is just there for reference. It's, you know, look it up when you need it and you know where to find it. Hundred percent. I think I think I think that to me is the biggest opportunity is um, when, especially when somebody else finds it for you, they're like, "Hey, I actually found this. I did it, and it's done." And you're just like, "Oh my gosh, it's amazing!" All right, nobody had to tell you to do it. You just thought about going to find it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's kind of when I talk to people about this, I say it's it's like trying to bookmark every website on the internet or just Googling something, <laughs> you know, like the, you, you don't need to have everything organized and structured. You just need to know where to find it. 
And, and I think the biggest opportunity even on that is linking to external content, right? Like we don't have to create all the training. We can go on Google and find the best you know, video on that topic, link it up in our systems and build a world-class onboarding and training uh, process without having to do all the heavy lifting. Right, exactly. You can, can't create everything, but you can curate a lot of things. Yeah, Awesome. Cool. So uh, to wrap this up, I, I, I know people will want to dive more into your stuff. And, and, and you know, what what resource would you send them to or where could people find you to learn more about what you do? Yeah, I think the most useful thing for, for most entrepreneurs is getting their weekly syncs in place. And to me, there's a specific format that I've created over the years to help me build multi-million dollar companies and keep my whole team collaborating and aware as you're you know, like, if you're growing, you know, 50% a year, pretty much every six months, your whole business looks different. Um, so that format's called the weekly sync format. So you can get it at Dan Martell forward slash the weekly sync format. Um, and it's really just a worksheet that walks you through the key areas that you should be doing on your weekly meetings with your team and how to kind of keep the conversation going. So nobody feels like they're out of sync with where the business is going and how they should be contributing to that growth. Awesome. I love that. So check that out. DanMartell.com slash the weekly sync. Um, also, the, the as Dan mentioned, the weekly sync, that meeting is crucial for ingraining that process culture into your business. So definitely start there. Learn more about Dan on his website. Dan, thank you so much for being here. This was great. Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much, man. All right. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to Process Makes Perfect. If you're listening on your earbuds, on a run, in the car, we also have a version on YouTube. So if you want to see this in-color video with me interviewing all these great guests, check it out on YouTube. Just search Chris Ronzio and you'll find my channel on there. If you found this helpful, we'd love for you to leave a review or rate the podcast. Please do that and we'll send you some swag as a little thank you. If you found the information valuable, please share it with a friend, a family member, or anyone else you think could benefit from the information. Remember to connect with me at Chris Ronzio on all social media platforms or the company at Trainual. That's train U-A-L, like a training manual, everywhere that you want to follow us. Thanks again for watching or listening, and we hope to see you next time.